Hello, and welcome to the Antioch Fort Worth weekly podcast. At Antioch, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and his purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit AntiochFortWorth.com. I don't have to adjust the podium here. Jamie and I are about the same height, so we just kind of plug and play. We're in good shape. All right, so uh, hey, I'm James Albright. I'm the Life Group Pastor and the Director of International Initiatives here, and I'm also our Discipleship School Director. Can I get a shout out? Let's go. Right. So recruiting has already started, in case you were wondering, for Discipleship School 2022. All right, not officially, but I'm you know, always a big fan of it. So all right, um, I love being a part of this house. I've been a part of this place for, for 21 years now, coming up in, in just another month or so. So I love this house. Very thankful for this community. And I wanna introduce you guys, if you don't already know, my beautiful wife, Laura Albright, most beautiful, wise woman on the planet. So thankful for her. We've been married for 19 years. Be 20 next year. Here we go. So, And we have three beautiful daughters uh, who are 16, almost 15, and almost 12. And so we're so thankful for you guys. I love being a dad. I love being a dad. For all those dads out there, you know how great it is. It is so much fun being a dad. I didn't hear any cheers at that point. This had been a heavy burden. So there'll be ministry time here in just a little bit. So we'll be able to pray for you if it's all right. All right. <laughs> Well, we're continuing on here in our sermon series, as Micah said, uh, on one new humanity on the book of Ephesians. And this has been awesome, hasn't it? It's been so good to get into the word of God to, and then to apply it to our lives, to really get deep with it. And I love how we take what we're doing on a Sunday morning and then we work it out in the place of our life groups. And I've loved personally in our own life group knowing that we come from a diverse background, diverse perspectives, all this diversity inside of the community, and yet when we get together in the presence of the risen Jesus, he's the one that's exalted. We open up the word of God and say, how can we apply this to our lives? It's awesome. It's so good to do that. It's healthy for us as a community to do that. So I wanna encourage you, uh, to dive in in that way. And this series, you know, in this series, we've, we've looked at uh, the good news, the good news of Jesus. And as that's been described uh, in the book of Ephesians by Paul, and, um, and, and what we've seen so far is that the gospel is not just an individual, a gospel of individual salvation, though that is true. It's just that it's not the whole story. But what we have seen is that we are brought in together by the work of Jesus, his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension, that we are brought in together, adopted as his children into his house. And it's an us thing. That we, it is a corporate word that to, the book, to, to the Ephesians, and it's a corporate word to us today as well. We've seen that according to Ephesians 2.15, uh, his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two. So whatever those two might represent. In Paul's case, he's talking about Jew and Gentile. So it might be a racial difference. It might be a socioeconomic difference. It might be a, a vaccination 
difference. It might, you name it, there are differences. There are things that can divide us. But he's saying that dividing wall of hostility is down now because of the work of Jesus. And it was his purpose to create one new humanity by the work of Jesus on the cross. But what we've seen so far is that we cannot separate the gospel from reconciliation and unity with our brothers and sisters. We cannot separate those two things. So in the first three chapters of Ephesians, we've seen that vision laid out very clear for us. Paul's laid that out so clearly. And and then in chapter four, he begins to shift. He begins to start talking about how do we actually apply this to our lives? How do we work this out in the church, in our lives? And he starts getting real detailed, real detailed. He gets, starts getting into our business real fast. And, uh, and today, we're gonna get into our business even deeper. You guys all right with that? You ready for that? All right, Ephesians 5, 21 through 6, 9. This is now gonna start getting into the most intimate and important relationships that we have. He's talking about the household, but I'm saying that involves, we all have a household, right? We all have roommates, we all have parents. Does everybody have parents? Yep, everybody has parents. Everybody in the room has parents. We all have, we are a child of someone. We all have family that we live with, and there's all kinds of variations on what that might look like here, but we all have a place to, to, to apply this. And you know, so, um, uh, you know, again, this is, we're, we're getting down to rubber meets the road on this. And I don't know about you guys, but, you know, I can meet with Jesus in the morning and just thinking about how this works out in my own house. I can meet with Jesus in the morning and the glory cloud can fall on me like and envelop me and I get revelation from God that's so mind-blowing and incredible. And then I go off to work and, and I can be kind and patient with my coworkers. I can be kind and patient with the guy that is driving ridiculously slow on the way to work or whatever. But I'm good, I'm just patient. Thank you, Lord. And then when my wife or one of my children make the slightest little, maybe a little bit offensive statement that might be a touch of attitude or something, it's as though I don't remember Jesus at all and I've lost it all. And REM, losing my religion, right? You just lose it all. And can anybody else relate? Why is it that we sometimes can be the most unkind to the ones that we love the most? What's that about? Our homes, our work, our closest relationships, this is where the rubber meets the road. This is where the rubber meets the road. And in this passage, um, uh, and for those of you who don't know, this is a challenging scripture that we're about to jump into here. It's a controversial scripture. So, but what we're gonna do in this time right now is we're gonna see it with fresh eyes. The Holy Spirit's gonna give us fresh eyes. So we're not, we're exalting the person of Jesus in this time. That's his heart for us. But, you know, many have used this scripture falsely to suppress and devalue others. Uh, Many have not understood the way that that we can navigate uh, uh, seeing what is a cultural perspective that's in the Bible and what is the 
kingdom truth that we can extract and, and learn and apply to our own lives right now. Because you see, Paul's talking to the first century church that's in the Roman Empire. And I know this is not news to you, but that's very different than 21st century North American culture. It is very, very different. And so there has to be some ability for us to navigate how do we see what's cultural, how do we see kingdom in the midst of all this. This is an interpretive skill for us as the people of God. You know, uh, in the first century uh, Roman Empire, the household was dominated by the man of the house, right? It was dominated by the man of the house, the father of the house. And, and uh, I was talking to Jim Reynolds, who, dear brother, for those of you who don't know, uh, who's like a coach to all of us as pastors and, and really to all of us as a church. And he, he said, as I was talking to him about this passage, he said, yeah, this was patriarchy on steroids, all right, so whatever you imagine is patriarchy, go ahead and jack it up a little bit because that's what we're talking about here. It was patriarchy on steroids. A decision was not made apart from the man of the house, period. And slavery, the other piece here that's, that is a part of this passage is slavery. Slavery was a part of the economy of the Roman Empire. A large percentage of the empire were slaves, and that was a key part of how the thing moved forward. It was not based upon race. Nonetheless, it was oppressive and demeaning and degrading and abusive. It was that type of an institution, often preying on the weak and the vulnerable and the poor. So when we look at this passage, we have to recognize that Paul is not affirming these domineering uh, cultural perspectives, these things that the, the dominating perspective of how a household might look exactly. We have to recognize that. He is not affirming slavery. He is not affirming a domineering patriarchy that is abusive and, and overbearing. Instead, we see Paul calling the church to something much deeper. We see Paul is calling out to the church for mutual submission to the headship of Jesus. We'll see it all the way through as we read, especially in our most intimate and important relationships, those in our own home. So for, for these reasons, it's important for us to, to really take a good look at this together with the Holy Spirit, dive in deep, because we don't want to add to the problem. We don't wanna add to that problem, that history that has been a part of the world so far, but instead we see the kingdom of God come into our own lives and into our own households and into our own relationships because that's our daily life. That's what we're talking about is the kingdom coming in our lives. So these household relationships are so important. We can try to change the world. As a pastor, as somebody who is involved in the, the, the work that we're doing around the world, I wanna change the world, right? But all of it is meaningless if I lose my family in the process. All of it is meaningless if I lose my kids in the process. So that's, that's true for all of us. It's not just true for me. Wherever way we are calling out, we, we have vision and promise and destiny in our lives, but it works itself out first in the home. And then we can go and change the world. Amen? All right, all this stuff in Ephesians 1 through 3 is true of us. All that vision that, that Paul is laying down 
it's true of God, it's true of us. But how will the world know that it's true unless they see us work it out in our most intimate and important relationships in our own homes? So we are called, here's the main thing. We are called to bow our knee to King Jesus and love as Jesus loves us in our most in our most important relationships, both at home and at work, in a countercultural, kingdom-minded way. Amen? All right, so uh, we're gonna open up the word of God. We're gonna read this passage, Ephesians 5, 21. If you'd open up with me, it'll also be here on your screen. And as we read, again, I wanna encourage you to listen to the Holy Spirit. What are the words and phrases that stand out as I read this, as the Holy Spirit is highlighting things. And I'm gonna pray for us right now, just that the Holy Spirit would give us fresh revelation. So let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you for your leadership in the church. We thank you for your leadership in our lives. And Holy Spirit, as we open your word right now, would you give us eyes to see fresh, ears to hear fresh, in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's read Ephesians 5, 21 through 6, verse 9. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands as you do to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one has ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people, because you know that the Lord will reward each one of you for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. We said, thanks be to God, amen. All right, so we're gonna, we're gonna dive in and to understand this passage, we have to understand context. And, and that's true of really any scripture. 
we have to understand context. We have to look at more than just that specific passage. And so let's just go back here for a second. So as we've said in chapters one through three, it's all this vision about one new humanity, right? And then in chapter four, begins to shift and he starts to work, start to talk about how to apply this to our lives. So we're in this section here of applying this to our lives. And, uh, and, and then he goes on and begins to describe it there right away in verse two. He says, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bear with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit. So there's all this, he's just beginning to say, this is what I'm talking about. All this gets worked out in this way, and then he goes into the remainder of chapter four, which says, and, and I've given the church gifts so that the church can be built up, what to? To the fullness of Christ, to become, to be transformed into the image of Jesus. That's what this is all about. That's what we're doing. That's why we're here. We're, we're, we're inviting and allowing the Lord to transform us in the deepest place so that we become more and more like Jesus. So this is the context of the entire passage from chapter four all the way to the end of the letter. And we have to understand this in order to see what's going on in this. He's saying, be humble, patient, be like Jesus. This is the context. So, so let's dive in here. So we're gonna go, uh, Paul's highlighting and challenging us to bow our knee to King Jesus in three key relationships. And again, I know that not everyone is married, not everyone is a parent, everyone is a child, but we, there's, and, but, and we all work in some type of scenario, but there's these three key places that, that I wanna encourage you that all of us are a part of this. All of us are included in this message because what we're talking about is getting down into the most intimate and important relationships that we have. Okay, so here we go. We're called to bow our knee, our first point here. We're called to bow our knee to King Jesus in our marriages, in our marriages. All right, so marriage, marriage is amazing. Can I get a shout out to the, guy, the married folks? It's awesome. I love being married to Laura Albright. She's incredible. We've been married for 19 years, and in one way, it feels like I've known her my whole life. I think, 19, how is that possible? Because we're just so knit together. And it's like she's been made for me and I've been made for her. I love her. She's my partner, my friend, my best friend. And I love being married to her. But marriage is, uh, it's not for the faint of heart, is it? It's not, there is some challenge and work to it. There's some challenges there. And you know, the ones who are snickering the most right now, maybe there's even more challenge going on in that spot. That's all right, that's all right. That's what we're gonna talk about. So, you know, before marriage, though, I don't, I don't mean to brag, but uh, before marriage, before marriage, I, I was pretty stinking holy. And I, you know, I, I didn't have a lot to work on, honestly. I was like, you know, my roommates and I, we got along well. Like, I mean, we'd have some disagreements here and there, but I just thought, man, I'm, I'm pretty much an expert at this whole relationship thing. In fact, I, you know, I might have my first book written by 22. And, uh, you know, so just, I'm, this is kind of where, in workplace, I knew how to honor my coworkers, knew how to, you know, come under my boss and help to support my boss and, and treated them, you know, I mean, pretty much like Jesus would all the time. 
And, and you know, I wanted to get married. I knew that was something in my heart. And so uh, I, I did all I could to prepare to be a great husband. And as I was doing that, I thought, well, I'm, I'm in good shape. I'm doing really well. I think I'll be a great husband. And, and so then Laura and I, you know, we meet, get married, and something strange started to happen. She and I would get into these disagreements, you know, from time to time, and often it was over silly things like, why do you drive like that? Why don't you do it the right way? Let me teach you how to do it the right way. It was weird. <laughs> Suddenly I had this live-in accountability partner and boy, was she faithful. <laughs> she was faithful to the job. She had no problem letting me know when I needed accountability in that area. Glory to God. The simplest things that we'd done without a second thought suddenly became the opportunity for a disagreement, a communication opportunity, as Jamie calls it. Could spark something serious. And I, you know, I'm making light of this. Those are some of the things we all probably walked through in our first years of marriage, but, but the reality is, is that there's some of us in the room that there's actually some really serious challenges going on right now. That there's some serious places of tension and butting of heads. And, it's, and the Lord wants to meet us there this morning. The Lord wants to meet us there. But I'm, my point in all of that is just to say, we're, it, is, it is incredible, marriage is incredible, and it does require work. It does require, what I realized early on is that I needed more of Jesus so badly in my life. Then you have kids, which is the next point, and we're going to talk about, and then you need even more Jesus, so we'll get, but let's stop right here. So, you know, there's a power dynamic that can begin to develop in marriages, right? There's this power dynamic. We do it my way, we do it your way. How do we navigate these different things? And, but you see, if we read verses 22 through 24, and we pull those out of the context, then we're going to miss the entire point, we're gonna miss the entire point. And unfortunately, that has happened throughout history for a very long time. But we remember the context. Paul is talking to us about living a life worthy of the calling we've received. Living a life worthy of the calling and becoming like Jesus. This is the context. So you see in this passage, Paul is calling us and challenging us both husbands and wives, to be like Jesus. In both of the ways that he describes it, it is a mutual submission type of thing going on. And in the context of what we're talking about in Ephesians 4 and on, and really the context of Scripture, we see that we are called to be like Jesus how, in every way that he, in everything that he does. When we lead, when we follow, in every single way that we walk, we are called to be like him. So when, how did Jesus lead? Well, in, in John 13, it says that he washed his disciples' feet. He was the servant. In Luke 22, it, he said, don't be like the rulers of the world who lord it over them, but instead the greatest among you 
will be the servant of all. How did Jesus follow and submit? He did follow and submit. The gospel said that he only did what his father told him to do. He submitted his will to the father. It says that in the garden of Gethsemane that he submitted his will in that moment. Not my will, but yours. If we make this passage to be about power and control in the house and in the marriage, we've missed it. We've missed it. That is not what this is about. And those who have taken this passage out of context seem to have forgotten verse 21. Verse 21 says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. You see, in this passage, Paul is encouraging both husbands and wives to mutually submit, to be like Christ in the way that they lead and follow, to submit to the headship of Jesus. He's, you see, when we remember that he's the head, then everything else changes. When you lead, when you follow, it changes the whole dynamic because power is no longer a part of this. This is just mutually submitting and taking our role. There are times where I take the lead in our family and in our marriage. There are times when, I, when she leads out and we are under the authority of the headship of Jesus and it works properly. It's, it, is the, it is what Paul is talking about here. There are a lot of ways that, that you might work this out in your own marriages, in your own lives. And I'm not gonna get into the details of that we're not gonna sit down with every couple and try to work that out. But what I am saying is if the dynamic between you and your spouse does not look like Jesus laying his life down and you laying your life down for one another, I'm challenging you today. I'm challenging you today. It needs to look like Jesus laying his life down for one another. Amen? Amen. Amen. Okay, let's move on here. Second, second point here. We're called to bow our knee to King Jesus in our families. In our families. All right, I love being a dad. I told you guys that already. I love it. It's so much fun. Every day is an adventure. As I said before, I have three beautiful daughters and we have fully entered the teenager phase of parenting. Full throttle. We got two teens and a preteen. Might as well be three. We have fully entered that. But as our kids have grown and changed, and changed with time, uh, the parents in the room will attest to this, that uh, it requires the parents to grow and change as well. And, and you know, this seems to be very, very natural and logical even. You would explain that very well. And somebody, you, you might look at me and go, well, James, I bet you probably really know how to navigate all the seasonal changes of your parenting, of everything that it requires as, it, as the seasons change with your kids. And I had you fooled, if that's what you thought. I had you fooled. Over the last six months or so, I have struggled. There has been a lot of growing up going on in my house, and they have done so well. They're growing up into mighty women of God, women of character. They are 
worshiping right up here in the front row. They're just going for it, meeting with Jesus. They know where their, story, where their identity comes from. They've got destiny and purpose ahead of them. They know what it is, and, 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 uh, and they have done an incredible job navigating these changes and growing up. I, on the other hand, have not. I have not done well, church. I apparently thought things would stay the same. Uh, as what the previous season was uh, for much longer than what it actually has. And so often it was my own fear and my own insecurity that would cause me to react out of my flesh it would, and to get angry, sad, or frustrated about something that was going on. So it was about me. And I'm not over-exaggerating when I say that this was one of the most difficult parenting seasons of my life, but it was not because of them. It was because of my own inability to navigate that change, my own inability to open my hands up and continue to let them grow up. And so in this pain and struggle, God has been meeting me because I knew all the way through, thankfully, by the mercy of God, I knew that I needed to keep running back to him. And, and, and I knew that I needed to keep going to them and telling them how sorry I was, that I blew it again, but I love you, and that's not the way the father parents, that's, I made a mistake. Father God parents you so much differently. He is such a good father. And, uh, um, uh, you know, so in this pain and struggle, God's been meeting me, and I've been praying these prayers like, God, would you cleanse me from the inside up, like a cup, would you clean, like he talks about in the, in the book of Luke, says, cleanse me from the, we, if, we're, if we're clean, uh, if the inside of the cup is clean, the outside will be clean. And that prayer just stood out to me one morning. I was like, Lord, do it. Well, guess what? he's doing it. Like if you pray that prayer, people, he'll start answering it. So just, you know, fair warning, but also I invite you in. Let him do that. And he would, I would pray, Lord, would you enable me to learn how to be slow to speak quick to listen and slow to get angry. Lord, do it in me. And then he began to talk to me. James, I'm not just talking to you about your actual physical words. I'm talking to you about how loud it gets in here. How loud does it get in here? Be slow to speak here. Quick to listen here. And slow to get angry. Boy, that'll bring life change. The first century Roman household, the children had no rights. In fact, in ancient documents, they don't address children. They don't address any wives, children, or slaves. So this, that alone is so subversive that Paul would speak to them. But it's not only that he spoke to the children and said, obey or else. He did not say that. He said, obey, because there's a promise. There's a promise for you. There's a promise. That's how much he values all of us as children. And, and then he goes on and he talks about uh, in, the, you know, in the Roman household, the father was the Lord of the house. But, but what he says is, parents, uh, honor your children like I honor them. Don't exasperate them, but raise them up in the ways of the Lord. It's, there's so much honor in that, so much integrity. Uh, I've exasperated my kids at times, sometimes many times, and I'm broken over it. Many tears have been shed. It doesn't look like Jesus when this happens. It looks like the way of the world. It looks like a leader that's trying to hang on to something and is afraid of losing control. That's what that looks like. 
It's not the kingdom. It's not the way of God. But when I slow down and I love my children like Jesus loves them, and I honor them like Jesus is honoring them, then I can correct them with clarity, but also with great love, and they can sense his love for them and my love for them. This is the way of Jesus. All, there's a word for us in there, for all of us, as parents and as children. We're all in different places on that. Whether you're a parent of actual children, physical children, spiritual children, or you, there's a relationship there with a parent that we need, where we need to honor them, then there's a word there for us this morning. Our third and final area here this morning, we'll begin to wrap up, is when we are called to bow our knee to King Jesus in our work relationships, in our work relationships. You know, this final portion of this passage discusses this relationship between slaves and masters that existed in the first century Rome. Praise God, it doesn't exist any longer. And we don't have to, we, are, we have to try to dive in though still to try to understand what was Paul talking about because there is kingdom truth in there for us to understand. You know, in the first century, slaves didn't have any rights. They were never addressed. So again, just the fact that they were given the dignity of being addressed is incredibly subversive and powerful and displays the kingdom to us of the way that he values everybody in society, no matter who they are or what they come from. But Paul starts with slaves and he encourages them to obey their masters, but not because they're the man of the house. But he says, obey your master because you know who the head is. You know that you're under the headship of Jesus and everybody's got to come under that headship. Everyone is gonna have to answer to that headship. And so you know it's not about the natural relationship here that exists, but this is about we are mutually submitted and bowing our knee to King Jesus in everything that we do. And then he goes on and he talks about masters. And in that first sentence, he says, masters, treat them, in the, treat your slaves in the same way. Wow, the subversive nature of that statement, that he would say, masters, you're gonna honor your slaves in the same way that they are called to honor you. Mutual submission under the headship of Jesus. It's, it's a mind-blowing thing. It's upside down and subversive. So when we start to try to apply this to our lives here in the 21st century in North America, what does that look like? Well, probably the most, it looks like our work relationships. It, works like, it looks like that dynamic of our work relationships. You see, these, all three of these areas, this is our daily life, right? This is family, work, marriage, parents, children. This is, these are the people that we're involved in life with on a daily basis. So we're talking about maybe our work relationships here. You know, I talked to two business owners this week, just kind of uh, happened to talk to them, just doing different things through the week. And, uh, and they both, on their own, I didn't ask them, just started to complain about how clients, customers, vendors, if there's a way that, that they've found to take advantage of them as a business owner, then they will. And they were just complaining about how hard it is to be a business owner and all the different ways that you have to navigate that. And that's so hard. But what if it were different for us? What if it were different for us as the people of God? 
What if, in, what if we were salt and light in, our, in the business sphere, in the education sphere, in the medical sphere? What if, what if they could tell that we are believers? What if they knew us by our love for them and the way that we treated one another and the integrity with which we walked in those business relationships? What if when someone came and worked at our house, they asked the question like, wow, are, what's different about you? Someone mowed our lawn or we go and do work at somebody else's house in the way that we honor them. Does that make sense? What if it were different for us? God's calling us to follow and submit to King Jesus in our work relationships. And as we do, the kingdom's gonna come in us and through us. All right, so here, we're, as we finish up, I got two quick practicals. We're gonna respond to the Lord. So two quick things. If your heart, if you're going, man, I wanna see more of the king and his kingdom come into my most important relationships, here's two quick things. First thing, start with yourself. Start with yourself. So often in these most intimate relationships, family or work, so often we are quick to point the finger at the other person and say that there's a problem and it is you. It's not me, but we have to start with ourselves and ask the question, how is Jesus using this situation to see his kingdom come in me? That's not a selfish question, that's a rightly ordered question. That's the right first question. You see, it's the way of Jesus. He said, take care of the log in your own eye before you go and you deal with what is going on in somebody else. There might be something you need to talk it through with them. I'm not saying that, but, but start here. Father, what are you doing in my life through this place of tension? You know, we often will say, God, I want more of you. I want your kingdom to come. And you know, all these prayers like that, come in me. I want more of you. But then when we have these tensions in these relationships, we start to point the finger at the other person and we miss the work of God in our life. If you wanna know the, mo- the cutting edge of what God's doing in your life, it is right there in those most intimate and important relationships in your family, your place of work, all this that we're talking about today. If you wanna know the cutting edge of what he's doing, go ahead and take a look right there and see where are things rubbing because that's the place where God's working in your life and in my life. All right, second thing is uh, practical here is that small changes create big differences. So main thing here that I wanna say is don't be afraid of making a small tweak. Don't be afraid and don't give up. Laura and I, through the years, have had to learn how to pray together. And we've done it well in different seasons and not as well in others. Recently, we noticed we're not praying together as much as we want to. And so we started to try to make tweaks, and guess what? It it didn't work. It didn't work. But now we've made some new tweaks, and we are on a rhythm right now where we're able to find three, five minutes. Sometimes it's on the phone. Sometimes it's real quick before we all head to work and school. But there's that, I'm, we're not afraid of making little changes. Then those things will make big differences in our lives. So I wanna encourage you, what are the little things that'll make a big difference? That's, those are, that's where we wanna start. All right. Amen? We good? Okay, great. So we're gonna respond to the Lord here now, so uh, I wanna invite the ministry team and worship team to come on up. If you guys would go ahead and stand up. So, you know, no matter where you're at this morning, uh, 
this word is for all of us and we have a household. We have our most intimate relationships. We have these different places. So wherever we're at right now, this word is for us. This is a corporate word for us. And this word is about us bowing our knee in a fresh way right now to King Jesus. Because when we come under his authority and his leadership and all of these most important relationships, then, then, things, then he transforms those relationships. He rightly orders our house. The vision of one new humanity is worked out at the highest level. It's worked out in all the big picture things, but it's gotta come down to right here in the household and those daily relationships. So what would it look like if we honored and loved one another in this way, in the same way that Jesus honors and love us, loves us, that we worked that out then in those relationships as well. So I got two ways that I see, I just felt like the Lord was calling us to respond. And the first is uh, that some of you in the room, as we were talking through these different areas, there might've been a hopeless situation, a place where you, where you were feeling Maybe you felt like me where I was like, I feel like I just keep running up against the same wall. I need Jesus. I need Jesus. I wanna invite you to come and respond. He wants to pour out fresh hope on us today. I really believe he wants to bring a fresh breakthrough and fresh hope in our lives this morning. And second, some of you, you know you just need more of Jesus in one of these relationships. Maybe something we mentioned or maybe something else. You know you need more of Jesus. You wanna honor and treat that person like Jesus does. Whatever it might be, you just need a breakthrough in honoring and submitting to King Jesus. And today's the day to do that. Right now is a moment to do that. So I wanna encourage you, you know, we wanna be a people that respond to the Lord. Whatever you need prayer for this morning, you know, this is what we do. We pray for one another. This is what, this is the church. We're, we're in action right now. This is, and the Spirit of God is moving. And so I wanna invite you, come up, come on up and get some prayer from these guys. Pray with somebody that you're with. Um, but we want to respond to the Lord. Whatever you need, if there's something we've mentioned or something else, come up and get some prayer. So let me pray for you as you guys begin to come forward. Father, we welcome you, Jesus. We welcome you to come and have your way. Spirit of God, would you move in our house right now? We pray that you would be lifted up and honored, King Jesus, above every other thing. We pray that we would honor you in our relationships. And Lord, would you move right now in us in the mighty name of Jesus. So come on up, church. Let's respond to the Lord.